Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you. Joined today by Dweez Nuts, all Z's, no S's. Y'all know what to do. We are breaking down the Thursday episode, which, of course, means the later slate of games. Yesterday, you heard our good buddy Bobby LaMarco jump on for the early slate of games. Now we are breaking down tonight's game between the Dolphins and the Jaguars, as well as the later slate on Sunday, including Sunday Night Football between the Packers and the Saints. That should be a great game, especially if we can get Michael Thomas and uh, Devontae Adams back. And then, of course, the big, uh, really the game of the year easily uh, so far, just in week three here, the Chiefs versus the Ravens Monday night. This is episode 268. Man, we are closing in on 300 all of a sudden. We'll be there in a couple of weeks. Without any further ado, my man Dwayne, how are you feeling today, bud? Look, we're talking football. There's nothing, there's nothing I'd rather be doing in life than sitting here with you right now, buddy. I'm jacked. I love it, brother. I love it. Hey, really quick, let me get your temperature on how you've been dealing with these injuries. I know that so many leagues, uh, really you can't escape injuries at this point in fantasy football. We've only been doing this for two weeks, but we had no preseason. I made a comment on the Tuesday episode when I broke down my ballers and stallers. I went into the waiver ads and all these other things and discussed all the injuries at that point. I made a comment that just kind of like I hadn't thought about until the moment, and it just kind of came out as I was talking. And I realized we have – you know, you know, 20, 30, 40 major injuries, like significant players, top fantasy picks at every position on every team going down for significant amounts of time. I've never seen this much carnage in fantasy football ever. And it dawned on me, not one single situation outside of maybe Rock Armstead, if you still want to count that, is a COVID-related situation. These are legitimate injuries. What we were concerned about with no preseason and what we were concerned about coming in in 2020 was the COVID. We thought we were going to be missing players. I have three IR spots in every league that I commission because of COVID, not because of injuries. Now, of course, the injuries have taken over. There is no COVID so far, knock on wood, of course. But I've been blown away, man. It's just uh, nobody is safe. Top players are going down. Backups are going down. How have you fared so far uh, on your rosters here with injuries? Yeah, not great. Not great. My home league – you know, there in week two, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, A.J. Brown were my three stud receivers all out. So, yeah, you said it about MT, man. I hope he comes back. I know Godwin's back. That's good. But uh, in my in my home dynasty league, I've got back-to-back championships on CMC's shoulders. So him him being gone for a while hurts. And then in the TCK, TCK Pod Listener League, you know, I was, I was doing well. I had a big week one, and then Saquon goes down. He was my number two pick. But uh, – Look, it is what it is, man. In fantasy football, you gotta you gotta roll with the punches. You gotta find the replacements. This is this is where the rubber hits the road. Like, are you a good waiver wire manager or not? If you're not, you're gonna lose. And if you are, you can salvage anything. I totally agree. And this is absolutely the season to start. I mean, we're in week three here, so now we're gonna start talking about trades. 
And we don't have a trade episode dedicated yet. I usually don't start those until about week, you know, five, six, seven, when we get in the nitty gritty. But the reality is, I think we're going to have to get started a little earlier this year. I think we'll bring one in next week because uh, we just don't have time to wait. I mean, there's just too many injuries going on. You have to make audibles. There's only so many guys available on the waiver wires as well. So I didn't prep you for this. You weren't necessarily prepared for this, but just off top um, really quick, Dwayne, who would be maybe a player or two, regardless of position you're looking to buy low on, and then maybe a player or two that you're looking to maybe sell high right now. Um, I just made a trade a few minutes ago, actually. I, I uh, you know, if, if I answer that question straight up, I say Derek Henry's a guy that I'm looking to buy low on because he's had a couple of kind of low weeks. Um, I, that's got to come back. I think that team's not necessarily done what they, what they're going to be doing over the course of the year. But the trade I just made was, uh, I, I traded Derek Henry away. I gave him up and picked up James Robinson and Julian Edelman. I thought that was a nice trade. I like what Julian Edelman's doing out there with Cam and, uh, James Robinson, man, this is a dynasty league that I made this deal in. And this kid looks legit. He does. He does. But, uh, I, I, you know, take the young guys if you can get them. Like a guy like James Robinson, people are still unsure about. Like that's not a bad trade to make. Um, I like, you know, Russell Gage, if you can swing him somewhere. I like him. Julio is already banged up a little bit. Should he miss time, he's going to be a legit guy. I like – when I make my trades, I look for the depth guys rather than the top, top end dudes. You're always going to be paying a premium for a big name. So give me the depth guys. Give me the guys that people forget about. Like a Julian Edelman, always forgotten about like a Russell Gage who has the potential to be just great. Those are the guys I look to trade for. Um, I'm always trying to trade away my big names because they are, if I, I'm trying real hard in, in a dynasty league right now to push Travis Kelsey off my roster, because um, you can get a lot for a guy with a name, Travis Kelsey. Totally agree. I think that's a great call. And, and uh, you know, the big thing in dynasty is especially to kind of cut bait with those veterans before it's too oh, yeah. late, you know, and Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, um, AJ Green, of course, uh, Devonta Freeman, who just got, uh, you know, picked up by the Giants to, to cover up for Saquon, um, you know, some of these older backs that you might have an opportunity to, to move on from with that still have a name still have value this year, maybe even next. But again, you're bringing in Russell Gage getting rid of Julio Jones. Now, are you saying that Russell Gage is better than Julio Jones? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but it seems with injuries and whatnot that the tides are turning in Atlanta. So you better off be uh, ahead of the curve than behind it. Absolutely. I think that's a great call. All right, man, let's jump into the uh, game this evening first, and then we'll get into the later slate on Sunday. And of course, Monday night football, let's kick it off with tonight's game, the dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars dolphins are Owen two so far. Jacksonville Jaguars, one and one. Garner Minshew, three touchdown passes in each of the last two games. Looking pretty good. Although you just mentioned James Robinson, he's been excellent. First NFL touchdown, first 100 yard rushing game last week uh, of his career as a rookie. Um, Filling in nicely, I think, for the Leonard Fournette departure there. DJ Chark, though, kind of a ghost. I want to hear about that. Getting a little nervous about DJ Chark. Kind of a top 20, top 15, even wide receiver for some people. And, um, also, Keelan Cole kind of resurrecting himself there as well. On the other side, the Miami backfield, man. I mean, we knew about Howard. We knew about Brita coming into the season. Miles Gaskin, who? Excuse me? Confused what's going on there. Devontae Parker, is he the guy? Is Preston Williams going to actually be that breakout? He dropped a touchdown right in his numbers last week. A lot going on here in these offenses. Do we trust Mike Kosicki? Tyler Eifert involved here, but can we actually start him? 
not sexy for fantasy football, but it is the first game of the week. People are jonesing to make some starts here. Who are you most excited about from each of these teams of Miami and Jacksonville tonight? Sure. Uh, on, on the Dolphins side of the ball, the only guy that I'm considering starting at all at this point is Mike Gesicki. Uh, you know, he's gone 8-11 and 11 for 130 uh, and a touchdown last week against Buffalo's vaunted defense. Um, clearly, he's a piece of this offense. Uh, they're trying to get him going. Jacksonville has averaged um, 99 yards and a touchdown to opposing tight ends thus far. We saw what Johnny Smith did. Uh, last week against them as well. I think it's going to be a nice game for a guy that is is absolutely getting involved, like a lot of um, off-season hopefuls. A lot of the Gesicki truthers were hoping that he would. Uh, it seems to be coming to fruition early on in the season here. Um, like you mentioned, the, the receiving core is just kind of a shit show right now. Uh, you obviously, you've got Devontae Parker there. You mentioned Preston Williams, but it's Isaiah Ford that leads this team in targets and catches right now. Like it's unpredictable. It's not anything that I want to play with. Devontae Parker's still a little banged up when he's healthy. Maybe I'll be more confident rolling him out. But um, if I had my druthers, I'm sitting him down this week uh, along with Preston Williams and Isaiah Ford. No, thank you. Uh, same issue with the running backs. It's kind of a shit show. Seven, seven, five carry split between these three guys last year. We know Howard's going to get all the goal line work, but probably only the goal line work. If I'm, if I'm forced to pick anybody, maybe I'm playing the Thursday night daily lineups. Um, I'll throw Gaskins out there because of the receiving work that he's done. Uh, remember in week one, the Colts gave up 17 um, catches, 142 yards and uh, a touchdown. So I'm, I'm interested in his receiving work more than I am his rushing work because that, that carry split is not, not worth playing with at all. Um, Jag side of the ball. I, I'm flipping it. I'm doing the opposite. I want to start just about everybody here. Minshew's an absolute go. James Robinson, um, absolute go. You said it last week, big game, hundred yards touchdown. Um, I will say that no back has had a huge day against Miami thus far this season, but it's not because they haven't been successful on the ground. It's just that they haven't gotten the workload for some reason. Dolphins are giving up 5.2 yards per carry on average to backs. I think James Robinson has his second 100-yard day, scores another touchdown this week. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, DJ Shark, I think he's on the injury list right now. He is questionable for tonight's game. Um, I think it was uh, no practice at all on Wednesday, so really pay attention to that uh, before the game tonight. But Keelan Cole has, has led this team in targets, catches, and touchdowns. He has been the target leader in the receiving group each of the first two weeks. Uh, if you're playing that Thursday night daily, put him in your MVP slot. I think Keelan Cole's going to have a nice game against the Dolphins, so I start him. Um, on the bench, it has to, has to be Tyler Eifert, though I'm not, not messing with that. I think week two is a fluke. I don't trust a tight end in Jacksonville, haven't for years. Fair enough. And on the Jacksonville side as well, I mean, you know, or uh, the Dolphins side, I should say, uh, you mentioned they haven't given up too much uh, on the ground. Um, some of that might have to do with them getting absolutely shredded through the passing oh, yeah. game as oh, well. Yes. So yes. the the Dolphins are the Dolphins. Um, yeah. And Matt Breida is kind of the odd man out there, which is strange. Of course, I watched him very closely at San Francisco. Never really got bell cow work, but he was always effective. If he was one of those backs that got 20 touches a game, I think he would be very effective. He's just not. He's a scat back. He's got injuries. can never really stay healthy, yada, yada. So. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I agree across the board. I am excited about James Robinson as well. So that's tonight's game with the Dolphins and the Jaguars. Of course, we'll go through our pick at the end of the episode per usual. Next up, man, let's get into the Jets and the Colts. The Jets 0-2, the Colts 1-1. For the Jets, fewer than 20 points in 12 
games since mm. ni- 2019. <laughs> Obviously, that's horrendous. Uh, coaching issues. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, unhappy and unproductive. Sam Darnold looks just fine when they actually turn him loose, but their wide receivers are hurt. Um, offensive line looks bad. The defense is okay, um, but I'm not sure against this Colt, uh, this Colt offense here. Phillip Rivers definitely looks out to pasture, but good enough so far. Jonathan Taylor is obviously the truth. Naheem Hines, number one pickup from last week, one touch. Didn't do anything there. That definitely burns you. Uh, Paris Campbell done. Zach Pascal should be uh, filling in for him. T.Y. Hilton kind of disappeared as well. We'll see if he gets more work. Mo Ali Cox comes out of nowhere last week, becomes a top tight end, not Jack Doyle. Uh, again, another offense outside of JT and, I mean, maybe T.Y. Hilton if you're feeling good about it. I've been fading him all summer. But other than that, man, I'm not excited at all to start anybody on offense personally unless I have to because kind of sneakily – this Jets uh, run defense, although they got smashed by the Niners last week, but most of that came on an uh, opening drive 80-yard run by Raheem Moser to start the game. The run defense for the, J- uh, the Jets and the overall defense for the Colts, I think, are kind of underrated here. But for me, it's, it's JT automatic, uh, TY if you have to. And honestly, I think the, uh, the Colts DST is actually uh, worth noting here as well. Sure. Uh, let me start on the Jet side of the ball here because it's easy. Start nobody. <laughs> Nobody at all, probably ever. Um, we saw what Indianapolis did to uh, Cousins last week. Negative fantasy points. Negative fantasy points. Um, no wide receiver on this team has gone over 50 yards in a game. Jameson Crowder, their best guy right now, out. Um, or probably out. I, don't, I think he's not practiced yet this week. Um, so watch that. But not exciting anyway. The running backs have been okay. But, like, do you want to start Frank Gore ever, really, at this point in his career? Um, I'm saying no. And and look, the, the Colts have given up three catches for 11 yards combined against tight ends this year. So I'm not, I'm not messing with uh, anybody on this Jets team. Other side of the ball, though, you're right, Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries last week, man. 26 carries. That's insane. He's, uh, he is the real deal. You play him at this point every week. I think um, I'm going to roll Phillip Rivers out this week. I know he's sort of struggled fantasy-wise. He had a fine game last week for football purposes, but uh, struggled a little bit fantasy wise, but I think he's going to do okay this week. Only two passing touchdowns on the year is what's really killing him. I think he's going to probably put in a couple of those um, this week. The big question is just to whom, like who's going to get that. You said it about Hines is a one target last week, not okay, not touching him. But as far as the receivers go, like T Y Hilton's 14 targets leads the league um, or leads the team rather for this season, only 81 yards off of that. Michael Pittman got six targets last week and led the team. Um, Zach Pascal's the only guy in the room to have a touchdown. Like, I don't know what to trust there, what to think there. I need to see Rivers um, in a couple more games, start to get comfortable and build a really on-field relationships with these guys before I'm really comfortable rolling any of them out there, even T.Y. Hilton. I know the Jets aren't great, and you want to play everybody against a bad team like that, but it's just hard to pick who on this Colts offense. I totally agree. Some a game I'm not very excited about, but I will say no. again, again, if you're uh, we don't talk often in the fantasy circles, but I try to do our part to the community of fantasy football here on the TCK Pod. Mm-hmm. I've always tried to give one or two shouts out of podcast to uh, defenses and or kickers if you're in those leagues, because the reality is people are still in those leagues and nobody ever yeah. talks about them in most circles. So when it's appropriate, I, I like to bring it up. And look, the Colts defense Colts, has been fantastic. They destroyed what should be a good Vikings offense last week. They smashed them up. Again, negative fantasy points for Kirk Cousins. 
uh, and they get the Jets who, you know, again, have been beat up two weeks in a row here, and I, I'm expecting a, uh, a third round there. So if you have a, a free waiver spot or you're swapping somebody out, look at the Colts DST. All right, man, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers and the L.A. Chargers. Man, a lot of uh, kind of some weird stuff going on for both these teams here. So we'll start with the Panthers, of course, CMC, unfortunately, high ankle sprain out for what they say are about four to six weeks. Then you get reports that CMC is as tough as nails. If, if you're old like Dwayne and I are and you remember his pops, Ed McCaffrey, uh, mm-hmm. who was straight up one of the tougher receivers I've ever seen play, he actually uh, played through a broken leg and then it ended his career <laughs> eventually. But nonetheless, CMC is you know, kind of trying to come back within three weeks. However, I caution you with trades, either trading for or trading away. And Dwayne, I'd love for you to jump in here real quick because he is, mm-hmm. again, Christian McCaffrey. Um, my thought is if you're, if you're trying to hold on to or you're trading for whatever, Christian McCaffrey, be careful with the situation. He will come back and he will play. He might even get Christian McCaffrey touches. But let's remember last year, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara both got Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara touches, but they were not as effective because of a high ankle sprain. All right, this is not a twisted ankle. This is a legitimate sprain that halters pretty much everybody uh, when they get it. Michael Thomas has got it now. Julio Jones might have an issue. Devontae Adams had a situation last year, and you saw how it slows down the elite of the elite. So I'd like to get your thoughts really quick, Dwayne, on uh, if you have Christian McCaffrey right now, are you looking to hold on to him because he's Christian McCaffrey and you're confident he'll be fine when he comes back? Or are you looking to sell the farm and see what you can get back because he's still Christian McCaffrey hurt or not? Also, are you going out to find him? And if so, what are you trying to spend on him? I'm getting blown up in my DMs here and I kind of see all three sides of that. So I'd like to get another opinion before we jump into this game. How do you feel about CMC with the injury, moving forward, health, everything else? I'm doing something really uh, different, I think, with CMC on my on my roster, my dynasty roster that I have him that I get to in a minute. But you're not wrong, man. High ankle sprains are awful. They always have been. And you think about a guy like CMC. This is not a guy that runs straight ahead. Like he needs his ankles to be effective. It's not. Uh, it's it's a it's a situation it's where when he it's an when agility back, hindering injury is what. Oh it is. yeah. So and, and you know what? If the coaches let him come back early, shame on them. You know, this is a situation where you make a guy sit at least one game longer than he thinks he needs to. We'll see what happens on the team. Um, it's it's you always have to be wary. Here's what I'm doing in the team that I own him and rely on CMC. Um, when I draft a guy like CMC, I know that I have a the safest floor among all running backs in the league um, going into this season, going into the season that I drafted him uh, last year. So what that allows me to do on the rest of my roster is take more risks, take risks um, with uh, big, you know, boom bust kind of guys like an Amari Cooper at the wide receiver position, stuff like that. And so my roster is filled with guys like this. What I'm trying to do now is first of all, hold CMC because I want a piece of him if he can get back anywhere close to form. But the, the other thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to level off my roster a little bit and remove some of that risk because if he does come back and he has some of those down games and his floor all of a sudden disappears, my team buildup no longer makes sense um, for for uh, support for CMC and, and my overall score each week. So I'm trying I'm trying to find guys with higher floors and pitch some of those guys with higher ceilings. Amari Cooper is one of them. I'm desperately trying to move him for somebody that I can rely on week in and week out to have a nice a nice floor. That's, that's how I'm dealing with the CMC thing. Might be a little different than most people, but yeah, I'm holding him. That's the short answer. 
Got it. Okay. So in, in dynasty, you have to hold them. Um, oh yeah. In redraft, uh, I, w- I would be, I would be open to putting him on the block. Let your league know that he is available. Everybody knows the situation. So you're not going to fool anybody or, or any of that, yeah. but put him out there. If you got a group text or you're on sleeper and you have a chat or, or whatever platform you use, let everybody know like, Hey, I'm willing to at least discuss this. I don't want to wait four weeks. Somebody might be willing to wait four weeks though. And here's the deal. If you're able to wait four weeks, five weeks, six even, and CMC is finally CMC and you had to wait that long, but you have other backs. Let's say you go, I don't know, three and three for average and you're two and oh now you might be five and three getting ready for the playoffs anyway. And you get CMC coming off your bench. I mean, that's, that's an opportunity I'm looking for. If I'm Owen two, I'm not looking to buy CMC. The carrot is too big out in front of you because you have to wait another month and you might get further buried. And even if you get CMC back, it's just not going to be enough where we're going to have to give up to get him. So if you're 2-0 and or you end up 3-0 and this week and you have some bullets to fire at CMC, why not? Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, Julio Jones, some of these guys battling injury right now, go for it. It might work out. If it doesn't, you just need to be prepared uh, to take that hit if it doesn't work out because you can't fire all your bullets in that situation. All right, man, I appreciate your uh, your feedback on that really quick. I've just been getting hit up a lot about it. I do have CMC in two leagues, and I'm trying to kind of – one's a dynasty, one's a redraft, so I'm trying to figure out where I'm at um, there as well. All right, let's get into this. Panthers 0-2 so far, Chargers 1-1. One one. Uh, again, I, I firmly believe straight up – I mean, I'm a, I'm a duck homer. I'm a Justin Herbert homer for sure. I really straight up believe that they were better than the Chiefs all the way until the last two plays of the game. You give Mahomes a chance. You give um, Butker a chance for two 58-yard field goals. Again, shouts out to the kicker. Um, they're going to beat you, uh, you know, 11 times out of 10. So, so oopsies there. Tyrod Taylor ends up having a punctured lung from a, a medical procedure. Uh, that's going to get somebody's job lost. Nonetheless, it's Justin Herbert coming for the foreseeable future. Looked great first start there for the Chargers. Carolina has allowed 20-plus points in 14 straight games. My question right off the bat here, and I'll let you start with the, char- uh, with the, uh, with the Panthers. We can talk about the CMC miss. Do we believe in Mike Davis? Is, you know, we, we saw that uh, DJ Moore finally got the work. Um, but is that going to be consistent because he was kind of a ghost in week one? Robbie Anderson has been a nice surprise here. And then on the other side, I definitely want to hear from you. I mean, Eckler's Eckler, but your boy Joshua Kelly is, is the truth. I mean, and they're straight up splitting carries. That's just how it is. So if you have to pick one, who are you starting? And are you capable to, or are you willing to start Joshua Kelly um, if you don't have Eckler and he's just somebody, you know, maybe you have Saquon, maybe you have CMC, you have any number of backs who have been hurt and you have to just start a random guy. I mean, Joshua Kelly off your bench doesn't sound so terrible, huh? Yeah, um, not at all. I think Joshua Kelly off your bench is fantastic. I'll start with the Chargers here since we're talking about them. Um, Joshua Kelly is the one guy that is in every single one of my daily lineups this week. I think he's going to have a huge game. We saw what Josh Jacobs and then last week, Leonard Fournette did against this Carolina defense. Those two guys in two weeks combined for 196 rushing yards and five touchdowns in two weeks. This run game is going to go off. Now, um, Joshua Kelly led last week in the carry count 23 to 16. He had three targets and 55 receiving yards, which was a nice surprise, but You know, Eckler also had a big game, and this week, I'm starting both of these guys if I've got them. I don't care which one. I'll put them both in if I own them both because 
this the Panther team is a team where you where you light up your running backs again. They're going to be all year long, um, I expect. So I'm running both of these guys out there. Uh, unfortunately, the only other player on this team that I feel comfortable starting right now is Hunter Henry. Too big a piece of this offense to sit. Uh, 11 catches, 156 yards in the last two weeks combined. Pretty consistent target rate. And I think this is the week he probably finds the end zone. Now, I say I'm sitting everybody else uh, from this team just because, look, I know I know Herbert's going to be back in here, but Carolina's been surprisingly effective against quarterbacks, probably because teams can run all day against them so they're not throwing it a bunch. But Tom Brady and Derek Carr combined over the last two weeks for 456 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a pick, which, by the way, was almost exactly Matt Ryan's week one line. Um, so I'm, I'm shying away from Herbert. I liked what I saw in Herbert. But so you see this sometimes. A rookie comes in, has a really nice first game, uh, and then takes a step back in week two. I know Carolina's defense isn't that scary, but they've been okay against the pass. Um, I, you know, receiver-wise, I'm going to put a pause on both of these guys, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. If I had to pick one, I'm going to take Mike Williams just because Carolina, what they're not doing is pressuring quarterbacks. 4.6% of quarterback dropbacks. Um, that's all they've done this year. The next worst in the league is 12.8% of dropbacks. So they're not putting any pressure. More time equals more air yards equals maybe a big player two to Mike Williams. But I'm, I'm shying away from this passing game right now just because of the uncertainty not saying it's not going to go off, but I'm I'm nervous, and I'd rather just run the run game out there. You know, those these two guys combined might run it 50 times, and and that would be just fine, I think, for the Chargers. Um, now, if you if you flip it, and we'll look at the other side of the field real quick. There's nobody there's nobody on this team that I'm playing. Um, you know, you said you mentioned DJ Moore earlier, but DJ Moore, who disappeared in Week One, gets to face off on Casey Hayward, who should shadow him all game. Now, if he does not, and on occasion, the Chargers don't shadow with Casey Hayward. Um, so watch the reports, read the beat writer reports prior to this game. But if Casey Hayward's going to shadow DJ Moore, I don't like anything about it. It's not going to work. Um, the Chargers pass defense has been too good overall. Outside of one big play to Tyreek Hill, that 54-yard touchdown, uh, they've held wide receivers in check all season. But uh, – I'm not I'm not interested in what DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, any of these guys have to say this week. It's just not going to happen. Not interested in the running backs either. I should clarify that. I am interested to see what happens between Mike Davis and Trenton Cannon, who's the only other guy I think on this roster in the position. But, um, I, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to play either of them. I know Mike Davis came in, had, what, seven catches after CMC went out. Trenton Cannon hasn't had a single snap yet, but – I'm not convinced that Mike Davis comes in here and takes, you know, an 80% workload or even a 65% workload right now, just because as a Chicago bear fan, when Mike Davis was a bear, we saw him lose his job over and over and over to anybody that they wanted to bring in, but uh, not interested in the Panthers at all. Give me the running backs in, in LA. And that's about it for me. This, this one. So Keenan Allen on the other side uh, looked pretty good in this game, peppered in targets. You think he's going to be fine? So there's a lot of concern with Tyrod well, Taylor and just a lack of production. But but uh, you know Herbert obviously is able to chuck it. Yeah. So I said I said I believe last week on our show that um, a lot less time for it was Tyrod Taylor ended up being Herbert in the pocket last week, which meant shorter throws were going to happen. 
I think the team wants to push the ball down the field. There's going to be time in the pocket. Last week's um, uptick in targets for Keenan Allen, I think, were as a result of the limited time to get rid of the ball. Um, so they probably game planned knowing that ahead of time. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not convinced that Keenan Allen is going to have more than four catches in in most games this year. Now, you know, they're obviously willing to pivot should they need to um, toward the shorter passing game if they don't have the time. But uh, they like to push it downfield. Mike Williams, I think, is going to be their guy as often as they can make him their guy. So I'm nervous about Keenan Allen. He's a guy, you know, we talk about trades. Mm -hmm. If I own Keenan Allen, I might be trying to shop him right now to get rid of him after a big target week like last week. Mm -hmm. And if you need a chess piece, I would, I'll, I'll take the other side of that. And I, I think that, you know, you said you earlier, you picked up uh, Edelman, who's again, not sexy, not going to win you a week, had a career high last week. He's actually a sell high at this point, but he's a good chess piece. Who's going to get volume. He should have a nice floor. So if you just need one of those guys to patch up, get you four to six catches for 60 yards a week and the occasional touchdown, those guys are just as valuable as your big gunners. That's a big thing. Lucas always preaches Nobody likes the unsexy guys in fantasy football. Everyone wants the huge scores, but you have to have the guys like Julian Edelman and Keenan Allen to just keep your team afloat when your studs don't go off. You still have to have that, that floor there. So, so I agree there uh, with you. Uh, Mike Davis had eight receptions, eight targets, eight receptions last week when CMC went down. And they also have Reggie Bonifon and Curtis Samuel, actually, who took some running back work at Ohio State. He's also taken a handful of uh, carries with his time with the Panthers so far. So Mike Davis is the running back, uh, but they do have other guys to take touches. Um, I did not put in top waiver claims with him anywhere. Uh, I put in a couple as like my second or third guy in case people weren't paying attention and I got him for free, but I did not spend all my fab or, or my top waiver claims on Mike Davis anywhere. Uh, I just don't – he's obviously not Christian McCaffrey, but I just don't necessarily want a non-Christian McCaffrey running back in this offense overall. So I targeted guys like McKinnon or, uh, you know, Devonta Freeman just to see what happens or, you know, some of these guys instead. Uh, obviously, um, James Robinson, if he's still available, some of those guys that I know are going to get the effective work. Because you're right, Mike Davis was a starter for the Bears last year, uh, and they get David Montgomery plays half a, you know, half a game as the backup, and all of a sudden he's the starter. So – I agree with you with that one. All right, let's move on to the Detroit Lions and Arizona Cardinals. Detroit Lions, their usual 0-2. They do get Kenny Galladay back, hopefully, this week here. Uh, I would love to see Matt Stafford and Kenny Galladay uh, going full force here, so hopefully that happens. Um, and then the Cardinals, a surprising 2-0. Uh, I mean, outside of the Seahawks, I think they're definitely the best team in the uh, NFC West there. Kyler Murray, 79 rush yards per game this season, the most among quarterbacks, dude, <laughs> this guy is absolutely electric. I watched the highlights of him just kind of like, you know, it's like when you used to play like schoolyard ball and everybody knows like who the fastest kid is, you know, like, and you're just like, gosh, shit, dude, they're just going to give him the ball every time. Like we can't tackle him. It's just going to happen. And then Kyler Murray steps back. Oh, DeAndre not open for a 17 yard automatic grab. I'll just run for 16 instead. And him just playing with uh, stutter steps on linebackers is just incredible at this level. So pretty powerful there. Um, usually a lot of fantasy uh, candy here with the Lions and the Cardinals. Um, DeAndre, automatic. Kyler, automatic. Kenyon Drake, I would imagine, still automatic. On the Lions side, though, do you believe in Matt Stafford? Are you going to start Kenny Galladay even if he starts with that quad hamstring issue? Is Marvin Jones still worth a, a flyer, TJ Hawkinson? And then what are you doing with this backfield? 
Uh, that last question was the question, right? You'd love to be able to say, let's roll the running back out here. Arizona's not been great against backs in either the run game or the pass game, but I mean, what the hell do you do? We all wanted to see Adrian Peterson get a workload in week two. I think people had themselves convinced that he was the new starting back after that week one in Chicago, but they split carries seven, eight, and five between the three guys there. Um, I'm, I, it's so hard to make a call right now. Maybe, maybe DeAndre Swift, he got five of the six running back targets last week in the past game. So maybe he's going to be the guy just because of the pass volume on top of what he's going to do. But it's so hard to pull the trigger on any of these guys right now. Um, we know that Matthew Patricia is notorious for, for not sticking with the guy and just killing your fantasy week if you start any of his backs. So I, I'm advising against it. If you must, I think Swift is startable this week. If you've got him and you're desperate because of injuries, um, you can probably line him up in there because, again, it's a good matchup. Um, I would also like to say that I'm streaming TJ Hawkinson here. Um, I think he's a solid streaming option here. He has a, a, an apparent floor, you know, at least four catches and 55 yards in each of the last two games. I, I like what he's doing. I think, you know, maybe not a huge game from him, but he's one of those guys that can give you a safe floor, score your double-digit fantasy points, um, and give you a little bit of leeway should one of your big guys not go off. Uh, I, unfortunately, though, I'm not starting Stafford. I don't uh, – I haven't seen Stafford's historical ceiling come to pass yet. You know, he's the guy that you draft because he can have, you know, 4,800 yards in a, in a season, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, Arizona, as good, nice as they've been to running backs this year, they have the third most sacks in the league. Uh, I know Jimmy G was okay in week one, and Stafford is probably their biggest challenge yet, but I'm, I'm a little bit wary of, of Stafford in this, this attack. The whole team seems to kind of be imploding around Matthew Patricia, which is never a good thing for on-field production. Uh, it, you know, if Kenny Galladay, uh, Galladay goes and they say he's 100% healthy, you might you might consider rolling him out there. I'm hesitant, though, because we know hamstring injuries are injuries that tend to come back when you least expect. He's also got Patrick Peterson, who is aging, but is still one of the better cornerbacks in the league, going to be shadowing him all day. So I'm nervous there. Uh, Marvin Jones is a is a go all the more so if Kenny Galladay doesn't play but uh, I, I don't love the passing game here and I'm I'm hesitant to start a back flip side though you said it man start Kyler he is an absolute stud start Nook he he has overcome the uh, wide receiver on a new team curse uh, and then there's Kenyon Drake and for me this is a big week for Kenyon Drake I think it's um, he's either going to drop a tier for me or he's going to cement himself as a tier one running back. He was drafted right around that tier one break, I think, in most leagues. And this it's been two weeks where he's been good, not great. I need to see something from him this week. or He's, he's dropping a full tier, uh, and I'm not interested. I'm sitting every other wide receiver. You know, it was good to see Larry get involved again last week. Seven targets there. Um, fantastic. There were three guys that had 50 yards on his team, Larry, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabella, but uh, not interested. You know, Detroit's secondary is better than advertised so far this year. They've limited completion percentages to sub-60% over the last two weeks. Only one wide receiver has over 75 yards against them, and none of the Green Bay receivers scored a touchdown, which was a little bit surprising after what we saw in week one versus Minnesota, but makes me nervous to start any of these receivers outside of Nook, and we've seen how much – of the target volume he's getting on the team. So Kyler Nook, Drake on this side, and I'm probably just avoiding everybody else. 
I agree. I agree all across the board. I'm really excited to see uh, Kenyon Drake explode a little bit. He was my preseason running back seven. Nice. So I think it was much, much higher than most folks. Uh, I was also, I had Mixon at six, obviously yeah. getting, getting beat up on that one. Um, but He's a again, second half I, guy. Mixon's a second half. You know, it's, it's weird, man, because like you see the talent of what Mixon did down the stretch last year and you're like, dude, I mean, it's the same coaching staff. They just got better at, at, at the wide receiver, offensive line and quarterback. Like how could they possibly mm-hmm. downgrade? And they don't say they haven't downgraded, but Mixon's getting the work. That's what's frustrating. Kenyon Drake too. Derrick Henry even 56 carries for Derrick Henry in two games are you shitting me these guys are getting the work they're just not getting the touchdowns and in fantasy football that's where you can get a little blindsided on the other side Dalvin Cook is not getting the work but he's scoring so everybody feels good about Dalvin Cook I'm more worried about Dalvin Cook than Kenyon Drake or Joe Mixon I'm just gonna throw it out there just in the first exactly exactly so again buy low candidates right there we just gave you three of them Derrick Henry Joe Mixon Kenyon Drake they're not gonna be free they do have names but you might be able to go steal them and somebody might be able to steal not super high, but with the name in the production, if you can flip Dalvin cook for one of those guys straight up, I personally would probably be okay with at least Eric Henry, um, maybe Mixon or, or Drake, uh, you know, plus a, a you know, a, like a Russell gauge or somebody that might have opportunity or something later on. So I agree there. And I'm excited to see what happens with, uh, with Ken and Drake. Let's move on here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos. Interesting stat here, Tom Brady, and this is, of course, all New England numbers. But Tom Brady is four and seven, four and seven on the road Oof. versus Denver, including the playoffs. Of course, a handful of those years were with Peyton Manning and whatnot. But think to yourself: take Peyton Manning out of the equation, and maybe Tim Tebow and his greatness. How many quarterbacks would you put on any of the, any tier of Tom Brady any point in his career? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tom Brady has, has been, been beaten up quite a bit in Denver on the road. Now, obviously, I'm not sure Jeff Driscoll is going to get it done per se, but <laughs> for, for, for the sake of, of a shout-out to, uh, to our, our, our you know, hometown uh, Bronco fan here, let's, let's try to make a case here for these Broncos for Lucas. Um, the Buccaneers are 1-1 one one right now. Of course, they came out, looked like a high school team in the first week, but they got it together without – uh, Chris Godwin in week two, but Mike Evans puts it together. Leonard Fournette, as you mentioned earlier, a nice kind of second half garbage time touchdown to save his day. But Rojo, second year in a row, got thrown in the doghouse. It is really hard to get out of the uh, Bruce Arians doghouse there. Um, we'll see how that goes. And then on the Broncos side, again, Drew Locke down for a handful of weeks. Cortland Sutton out for the season. Jerry Judy got racked, should play, but he got beat up last week. Philip Lindsay's out. Um, Melvin Gordon has looked good, uh, but not necessarily Melvin Gordon of old, um, man. I mean, there's some automatics in this game, but, uh, not as fruitful as we thought it would be just a couple weeks ago here with, uh, the Bucks at the Broncos. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start with those Broncos for Lucas's sake. Uh, unfortunately I don't have a lot of nice things to say. I will say that Noah Fant looks fucking legit, man. Noah Fant does look legit. Field. I didn't mention him. Good call. Noah His, Fant does look the, good. the eye test on Noah Fant says this guy should be something for a long time. Totally I like agree. everything he's doing. So I'm rolling him out every chance I get. Um, the only other guy that I really feel confident starting here, and I only feel confident starting him because it's a, you know, a second or third flex kind of guy. It's KJ Hamler. Steps in the last mm-hmm. week, has a nice little week. The coaching staff said they want to get him more involved. Um, we know that the rest of that wide receiver core is beat up. He's taken over for Cortland Sutton as the deep, ball guy on this team um and while Driscoll looked okay in relief last week he wasn't very accurate 
So if I'm, I'm looking at a quarterback who's not very accurate, but a team that is willing to push the ball down the field a little bit, I'll take a guy like Hamler who can, you know, with two or three catches have a nice fantasy day for you over, you know, even Judy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not as high on Judy this week because it's just going to take a little more work for him to, him to be super fan, fantasy relevant. And like you said, he's, he's not, I don't think he's on the injury report, but it was hard to watch um, him play and just the way that he was getting knocked around. So I'm taking Hamler and I'm hoping for a couple of nice, a couple of nice plays for him. You know, he was ninth in the league last week in uh, average depth of target at 16 and a half uh, yards. So give me one, two big plays to Hamler and I'm good. Otherwise I'm not even going to stream Driscoll this week. Never like to play a backup quarterback. Unfortunately, I don't like to play a running back with a backup quarterback in there either. So I'm sitting Gordon. That's not to mention that Tampa Bay has given up 2.7 yards per carry and they've played Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, Mm -hmm. um, Latavius Murray in week one. So they're, they're obviously doing something right on that front seven to slow down the run. So I'm not interested in anybody else on that team. As far as the bucks go, God, how great would it be to just be able to say Leonard Fournette is the starting running back here. Huge, huge week last week. And, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm starting him as if he is the starting running back. If Ronald Jones comes back in and takes over work, then, then I deserve to lose. But I think Arians is smart enough to let Fournette just be the guy. And, you know, the Broncos is as good as people say that defense is Derek Henry and James Conner both went over a hundred yards against this defense and Leonard Fournette after, after watching him run last week, I think he's, he's ready to make that three for three. Chris Godwin's back in the game. I'm going to start him. He should lead the team in targets again, coming back. I know Mike Evans had a nice week last week, 10 targets, but uh, Godwin's the guy I think that Tom Brady wants to throw the ball to. And I expect Godwin to replicate Deontay Johnson's um, line, 892 and a touchdown last week against his team. Corey Davis had seven for 101. Um, both of those guys were running sort of underneath routes. Both of those guys were were – playing in the slot more often or at least running slot routes that's kind of what Godwin does for this team and it's uh it's a it's a position that has been successful against the Denver Broncos with both Davis and Deontay Johnson performing pretty well right near 100 yards and a touchdown for Deontay Johnson so give me Godwin full go on Godwin I'm starting Mike Evans too because you have to start Mike Evans I just don't expect that 10 target game again I will sit Tom Brady I don't think Tom Brady's a startable quarterback in a one-quarterback league anymore. He's streamable for sure, but I think he's probably going to end around the QB 14 to 15 range more weeks than not. His floor seems to be fine, but we just don't see the ceiling there. You know, people expected this huge offense, this Jameis Winston offense. It's just not what this seems to be anymore. So I'm sitting him uh, in a two-quarterback league. Yeah, you're starting him. You have to start him. Uh, then there's O.J. Howard, who after week one we were all jazzed about and he seems to be the guy in that tight end room. He's got nine targets to uh, four and one for the other two guys. But Tom just looked elsewhere last week. I think he's going to continue to look elsewhere. And Denver's pretty good against the tight end. Johnny Smith only had 36 yards. He did score, but I don't expect the tight ends to do much here. It's uh, it's it's going to be the, the most interesting thing in this game is that Fournette Rojo thing. Like, I, I hope I hope beyond hope that Rojo does not come in and be that fly in Fournette's face and they just let him run the ball like he can. But, you know, we'll see. Not sure I've ever said this on a fantasy football podcast, but Rob Gronkowski droppable? 
Oh, gosh, yeah. If you have him on your roster, then you should just quit your league right now. If you drafted him, you don't belong playing fantasy football. You've heard it here, folks. Top-notch mm-hmm. analysis. Love it. Yeah. All right, man, we're going to get into three more games and then our quick pickums. We'll take a very quick commercial break. Shouts out to everybody listening up. We appreciate you joining the TCK pod, a.k.a. the Kano Sick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I am with your boy, Dweez Nuts. Today, yesterday, we were with Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Tomorrow, we'll be bringing on the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast crew, Chris Benavides and the boys, to break down the TCK Pod Listener League, both rookie and veteran leagues, for the recap and the preview for next week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. Find our articles and our rankings at TCKPod.com. And please leave us an honest rate and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. All right, buddy, we got three more games here. Let's blaze through these. Oh. Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks. Man, Ooh. this one, this is a track meet, right? Um, maybe we should talk about players you would be worried about starting because everybody else is a fire up for me. Cowboys 1-1, Seahawks 2-0. and uh, Russell Wilson absolutely on fire. Four-plus touchdowns in each of his first two games, arguably the MVP of the league right now. You can make a case for Josh Allen. Uh, you can always make a case for Aaron Rodgers. There's a handful of other names out there. I'm sure Alvin Kamara, what he's had to do without Michael Thomas, whatever. Russell Wilson is absolutely cooking. He's doing his thing. DK looks great. Tyler Lockett looks great. Chris Carson's not getting work, but he's scoring touchdowns. On the other side, the Cowboys, man, they're feeding all three receivers. My boy, Michael Gallup's the odd man out, which is confusing to me, but Dalton Schultz fills in well for Blake Jarwin. He gets the work this week. Zeke is Zeke. Dak is Dak. Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb looks great. Um, is there anybody in this matchup who's a normal start that you wouldn't start? Uh, I would be a little wary of Chris Carson this week. You know, this is this is going to be a huge shootout game. They're going to throw the ball all over the place. And, yeah, Carson's been scoring touchdowns, but you said it. His volume was down last week from where I expect it to be. I think he still finished like 12, 13, somewhere in that range, and he was fine. But uh, I'm concerned at least temper your expectations for him there. Um, that being said, like play everybody, a couple guys I'm super excited about though. I think CD lamb here has an absolute breakout game. He's going to be playing against Hugo Amati, who's a special teamer that was kind of forced into slot corner work because of the, uh, devastating week two for the Seattle Seahawks secondary. So I think CD lamb goes absolutely ham and has himself a day, a little concerned about Gallup's volume, um, his production kind of needs to be watched as guys like Lamb and Schultz get more and more work, but he, uh, he's a stud. They like downfield. I'm concerned that he just becomes a boomer bust start him in a, in a plus matchup guy over the next few weeks though, which hurts my heart because I've been on Gallup since, since he was drafted, but yeah, play just about everybody here and, and just enjoy the fun. This is going to be, this is going to be a, an extraordinarily fun football game to watch. I think. I totally agree. And I really like the point of the week where like most of my matchups are decided. I'm either up significantly, down significantly. There's a couple tight ones, of course, whatever. But I love to just sit down, maybe root for one or two guys on each team or whatever for my fantasy lineups, but just enjoy what should be. Uh, I mean, honestly, this game should be in the 30s each way. And Crack, crack a cold beer, lay back on the couch, and just enjoy. I, I want to say this last thing because uh, it's, a, it's a little humble pie for me. I did say last week that you should fade both DK and Lockett as they were playing against the best cornerback and slot corner in the, in the league last week. But they convi- combined for 160 yards, 11 catches, and two <laughs> touchdowns. I apologize to these two guys and to Russell Wilson 
it shall never happen again. Well, good friend of the show, DK Metcalf. I'll, I'll just shoot him a text real quick and let him know that uh, I'm sure he'll forgive you. Look, Thank you. Uh, we don't have to go further into this. We know what he's bringing and what this offense is bringing. Stephon Gilmore got straight up played last week by both of yeah. them. And DK cooked him a few times. He's still the best corner on paper until he's not. But damn, DK is <laughs> DK's legit. All right, let's move on here to the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. This one's real simple. This is going to be another, you know, 40-plus performance uh, each way, just like Dallas and Seattle and probably Kansas City-Baltimore. We have three incredible games on the slot this week. If Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams play, if one of those guys play and the other one doesn't, that team is going to win, straight up in my opinion. If they both play, I think it's a shootout. If they both don't play, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara might have 40 touches each. Mm. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Are you, so let's say Devontae Adams suits up, he's good to go. Are you nervous at all that uh, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore will shadow him and shut him down? Do you think that happens? This is a, uh, Devontae Adams is my super mm-hmm. favorite. Um, so I'm going to try to put that aside. Honestly, I think so. I think he will shadow. I Now shutting down is a weird term when you talk about a guy like, Devontae Adams. Now, shutting down for Devontae Adams might be five on 13 targets for 56 yards and maybe still a touchdown. That, it, to me, is like a shutting down Devontae Adams. So, am I still going to play? Am I scared to the point where I'm not going to play Devontae Adams if he's active? No, I'm playing him. The tricky part of that question with Michael Thomas, and, and I'm, I'm less confident Michael Thomas will play. He shouldn't play you mentioned earlier with Christian McCaffrey, they should keep him out another week or two beyond what he thinks he can do. Yeah. I'm less confident he's going to play, but Devontae Adams playing. The issue here is it's Sunday night. So mm. you're going to give up a roster spot, assuming A, that he even plays, B, that he's going to play significantly enough to be 80% Devontae Adams. My question back to you then, Dwayne, would be, let's say Devontae Adams is out, period. We yep. know that Lazard and MVS have to get work because – Tay is out. Which one would you rather have? Uh, this week I'm going to play Lazard, uh, assuming that he lines up in the slot. He's done a lot of work out of the, out of the slot so far this season. And New Orleans gave up, you know, big games, relatively big games. Renfro led the team um, wide receivers last week, although Derek Carr didn't throw the ball to wide receivers at all last week. And Scotty Miller went for 73 yards in the slot in week one. I think the slot is a nice place that you can beat up this Saints defense. So I'm picking him there. Um, you know, for whatever reason, the Packers love to throw the ball at, at Marquez Valdez Scantling. I don't understand why he drops most of them. Um, he, you can see it in Aaron Rodgers' face every time he throws it toward MVS. He's nervous that it's not going to work, but he'll be the lead guy should Devontae Adams sit out. Um, I, that probably also means Marshawn Lattimore spends a lot of time there. I'll take Lazard just because of who he's going to be lining up against and, and what this defense will likely give up. Got it. Now, Aaron Jones absolutely exploded last Oof. week, clearly, but last year he put in, what was it? Something ridiculous. I kept repeating the stat over the summer and it's slipping my mind right now, but he had something insane. Like, you know, 70 something percent of his production or whatever came in those five games that Devontae Adams was out. We know that, that, you know, Aaron Jones is already the wide receiver too on the Packers. 
But if, like we saw Alvin Kamara on Monday night, uh, basically getting all of the work with Michael Thomas out, Aaron Jones will do the same thing in this offense. Um, he's an automatic start anyway. But if both of these wide receivers sit, man, we might have one of the best dual threat running back explosions we may have ever seen in fantasy football. I mean, honestly, Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones are similar players, in my opinion, when they're able to get going and pass catching, whatever. And if they are the top receiver and the top running back on their team and what should be a high powered offense, um, could be you know five the, touchdowns between them. Exactly. I mean, it might be four touchdowns More. apiece. Yeah. I mean, like it, it could be pretty insane. The, the Packers have scored 40 plus points in each of their first two games. They actually lead the NFL so far in points scored. We know what the Saints are capable of doing. Obviously, they got upended by the Raiders, whatever. The Saints are going to move the ball. They're going to score points. Uh, let's jump over the Saints really quick. Alvin Kamara, obviously. How do you feel about Drew Brees, man? He, he has definitely come back down to earth. The Raiders are a bad defense, and they were able to get to him. He was not throwing the ball downfield. Emmanuel Sanders doesn't seem to be a thing. I will say Traquan Smith looked pretty good with 80 yards with uh, MT out, so I might be comfortable with him. But how do you feel about Jared Cook? Some of these alternative names. We're starting Rodgers. We're starting Aaron Jones. We're starting Alvin Kamara. And you're starting the receivers if they play. We talked about the Packers already. Let's talk about the Saints here. Do you feel okay with Emmanuel Sanders if MT misses or Traquan Smith? And how do you feel about Drew Brees? Yeah, Drew Brees is tough. He's, he's had a slow start to the season. I ranked him my QB6 going into this thing. Um, I still think he has a good shot of having some really big games. Just a tough start to the year. The way things uh, the way the way things shook out, not so great. I, and this week, I don't know that he has a a big week this week either. I like Traquan Smith. Seven targets last week led the room. I think the next best was three. Right, Green Bay's given up four touchdowns to receivers already. So I think there's a good shot that Traquan gets in the end zone. Um, Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara, though, those are the two guys that you really have to look at if this passing game is going to get going this week. That's who it's going to be because I, Michael, there's no way Michael Thomas plays. No way. Cook got five targets last week, scored a touchdown. Um, he leads the team in targets, receiving yards, touchdowns. He has the longest play from scrimmage. He leads the team in nearly every category. Uh, so, so I, yeah, I'm all on. I'm all on. Jared Cook, I'm all on Alvin Kamara. And if I'm picking a receiver, it's Traquan Smith, who I will put in some of my daily lineups because pretty nice target volume last week. And he did something with it. Manny was disappointing, so so I'll roll with him. But I think Breeze has another sort of tough week this week. Um, look for it to get going in the next two, though, and he'll have some huge games for you down the way. Might be, if, if you're in a two-quarterback league, Breeze is a buy low absolutely right now. Like that. I like that call a lot. This game is in New Orleans, and we know that the Saints traditionally throughout Breeze's career have just been a different beast at home. I do think that there's a, definitely a, a bounce back fantasy-wise. We're going to get to our pickums here in just a couple of minutes after we go over the Monday night game. This one is pretty divided between the four of us, and we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. But I think it's going to be a great game. Again, you know, in, the, in that morning slot, I think there's going to be a, a great at least fantasy uh, shootout, if you will. Um, potentially with Houston and Pittsburgh in the afternoon slate. Uh, we have Dallas and Seattle, Sunday night, Green Bay and New Orleans, and then Monday night. Man, this is like a, a, an old Tyson, Tyson mm. match or something, man. This, is a, this game should have been week like 12. You know, like th they can't have this week three. This is yeah. almost like you're given the best present at Christmas too early. You know what I mean? Right. And, the, and then the rest of the, the, the night's kind of like, yeah, well, thanks. But like, man, you really set the tone early. Matchup of the two reigning MVPs, of course, Patrick Mahomes 
Lamar Jackson. We got CEH. We've got Tyreek Hill. We got Travis Kelsey. On the other side, we've got, you know, Big Trust. You have three excellent running backs. Let's, we never talk about Gus Edwards. Might be the best running back currently on the uh, Ravens. J.K. Dobbins is just waiting his turn. Every t- he gets like four touches a game, and one of them's a 40-yard gain. The dude's unbelievable. And Mark Ingram continues to be effective into his 30s here. Then we got Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews as well. This is really fire everybody up. But again, let's take the approach of let's talk about maybe who you're cautious about uh, in yep. this game. Um, there is – so if we're looking at the Chiefs side, outside of Tyreek Hill, you know, I, I think Sammy's going to play this week. Um, he got I'm shot, not sure. dude. Did you see that not hit sure. where, he t- where he took his, his concussion? Yeah. Holy shit. But, but now they're saying there wasn't even a concussion involved in it. I don't know. I don't I, know. I, either way, dude, it was one of those – it, it makes – I played football for – 12 years or whatever, man. And I can't, I, I don't even know how many concussions I may have had because when you and I were kids, concussions didn't really exist. Uh, right. But um, when I see these things in football where a guy gets hit and you, you can tell the life leaves his body before he hits the turf, it, it like makes my knees go out. And it was one of those hits. I just feel for guys like that, but he got shook, man. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he does play, but um, sorry. I just, that reminded me of the hit and it oh, yeah. kind of queasy. But so, so, you know, whether it's Watkins or Hardman out there, um, even Demarcus Robinson, I'd be wary of those guys. This is still the best secondary in the league overall. You know, you have to play Tyreek Hill. I think Travis Kelsey probably has the biggest game of his season right now because it's going to have to happen. But don't get too cute. I'd be, I'd be wary of the receivers outside of Hill, though, on that side. Um, and then from the Baltimore Ravens sideline, you know, I am not going to start any of these running backs. I'm not going to start any of these running backs for a while. The coaching staff has been clear. They have said time and time again, they want to keep opponents and apparently fantasy owners also guessing <laughs> as to who's going to get the work. It works. Um, and, and they're absolutely doing that, right? Edwards went four touches in game one or and 10 in game two. Dobbins had 14 touches in one and three in week two. Ingram has been kind of consistent, 10 and 11, but it's, it's, you can't guess. Okay. Mark Ingram, who was the goal line stud last year, hasn't had a single goal line carry. He's the only one of these guys who hasn't had a goal line carry. The coaching staff is doing a good job of keeping us guessing. And I don't want to guess on my fantasy lineup if I have other options, because you might end up with the three touch game for Mark Ingram next week, if you line him up out there. So I'm avoiding all these guys. Maybe, maybe, maybe at some point this year, there will be some consistency. Might even take an injury, not that I'm wishing for one. Uh, but if you want to start a Baltimore running back, you're going to have to wait, I think, for a while. I'd love to see something shake out because in a few weeks, they play ball, uh, Cincinnati, who's the 31st ranked run D right now or defense against running backs. And I desperately want that juicy matchup for one of these guys in a divisional matchup. But, dude, I'm not touching them. I totally agree. And it is frustrating because I think we all see the talent and potential of J.K. Dobbins. He was drafted in the middle of rounds. I, I took him in the sixth, I think, yep. in a couple. And and that was mostly keeper leagues. Obviously, in Dynasty, he was going, you know, startup Dynasty or, or um, I'm sorry, rookie drafts. Uh, he was going, you know, top three um, yep. with CEH and, and, uh, and Taylor. But um, I was picking him like the sixth round, seventh round, just in case. And I, I'm, I'm willing to kind of eat three to four weeks. 
I always come back to the same story and I'm sorry for those who've been listening for a couple of years that have heard this 15 times, but it matters and it changed everything for me a couple of years ago with Alvin Kamara in 2017. I drafted Mark Ingram in like the third round that year. Then I drafted his handcuff, Adrian Peterson in like the seventh, eighth round or whatever. Then it was like the, it was the 10th round in this particular league, but it was like the 14th in most other leagues where I was like, ah, shit, I might as well get this kid from Tennessee. AP's kind of old. Ingram's kind of old. One of them gets hurt. He might have opportunities, good pass catcher, whatever. Took Alvin Kamara, kept him in the 10th round the next year, went undefeated in the league. And I sat on Kamara for four weeks who didn't get any production just in case he got his opportunity. AP got traded. Ingram and he split the rest of the way. The rest is history with Alvin Kamara. I think J.K. Dobbins is the same exact guy. Don't panic. Don't trade him away. People are going to get smart and say, hey, man, this kid hasn't done shit, man. Why not throw him in a package? Be like, nope. (laughs) Now, if it's week seven and we're still here, then sure, cut bait. But do not do that until week five at least because this kid's the truth. He's only, as you mentioned, 14 carries, three carries, very unbalanced. One of them last week I believe was a 44-yard run, though, on one of his uh, three carries. So, again, you give this kid 20 20 touches – He's, uh, he's Jonathan Taylor, at least. You know what I mean? Plus, he can catch the oh, ball. Yeah. So, I love J.K. Dobbins. Don't panic there. On the Chiefs side, nothing to really talk about. I mean, you know, again, I'm not even excited about Sammy if he plays. This Baltimore defense is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, my question here, going, you know, again, shouts out to the kickers. Two of the best kickers in the league. The number one and two kicker off the board, Butker and, and Tucker. You're excited to see that. Um, top two quarterbacks as well. Like, it, it'll, it'll be a, a top – top what four or five tight ends um really excited about this game question here kind of off the richter a little bit but casey defense no way baltimore dst they're a weekly start if you play in 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 uh in in dst leagues they're automatic but (laughs) would you look to stream let's say the colts uh, against the jets who are on your waiver wires now i'm not saying drop the ravens because you're going to play them every other week but maybe you bench a dst pick up a second DST. How do you feel about that if you're playing in DST leagues? So the thing that I like to tell people about um, DSTs is, is, you know, people get concerned, oh, we're playing against this huge offense. They're going to score a ton of points against us. We can't roll out, you know, whoever it is that we want to roll out. But that's not how you should play a DST. That's not how you should make decisions about your DST. The way that this needs to be done is by, uh, uh, you need to look at the positive point production potential so don't who cares how many points your opponent's going to score against you you need to look at sacks you need to look at interceptions you need to look at um, forced fumbles these things now Baltimore's a great defense they're going to shut guys down but when it comes to sacks you know they they're bottom third in the league Um, are they going to turn the ball over on Patrick Mahomes he's been pretty smart with the ball thus far in his career I'm not sure I'm expecting that. Uh, will CEH put the ball on the ground? You know, haven't seen, haven't seen it yet. Has he fumbled yet? I don't think he's fumbled yet. I don't believe so. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm wary here, not because I think the Chiefs are going to score a bunch, but I don't think the Ravens are going to have a lot of positive point production. The Chiefs take care of the ball. So, yeah, I would much rather go and stream a defense this week. Hold on to that Baltimore defense, though, because – you know, they're going to get opportunistic uh, at some point here and start turning the ball over. That defensive secondary is just too good not to. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd, I'd look elsewhere. I'd try to stream somewhere else if I could um, this week for sure. 
I totally agree. All right, man, let's jump into our pickums really quick. And then I've got one other thing I want to talk to you about before we get out of here. We'll stay just a few extra minutes tonight. Um, let's jump into our pickums here with these games. So again, no fluff. We've gotten into it. We've already done the analysis. We'll just do a, a straight up team pickum. All right, Dwayne, tonight, who you got? Miami Dolphins at Jacksonville Jaguars. It's got to be Jacksonville. Got to go Jacksonville. I agree with you. We're going to go four for four with myself, Lucas, Bobby, and Dwayne. And uh, folks have been asking about Lucas. Again, all love to Lucas. I've, I've mentioned his situation a couple times. We'll leave it where it is. Um, it's all love for, for my man, though. We're just giving him some space. He is still putting in his pickums. He's a gamer. So we do have his picks as well. All four of us, Lucas, myself, Bobby, and Dwayne going four for four on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll jump into the Jets and the Colts. Uh, that one, I've got the Colts. I got the Colts as well. We'll go four for four with the Colts. Also, most of us on the same page here for the afternoon slate. Carolina Panthers, LA Chargers. That's going to be the LA Chargers, baby. Chargers as well. Four for four there. Detroit Lions, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona, Kyle Murray. Arizona across the board there as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Denver Broncos. That's Tampa Bay if you're not a Denver fan. Tampa Bay if you're not Lucas. That's Let's right. go with Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seattle's taking this one, although it's going to be real exciting. I agree. Seattle at home, hard to go against them. Even without the 12s, we're all going to take Seattle across the board. This one got dicey as well as Monday night. Sunday night football, Green Bay Packers with New Orleans. You can assume the wide receivers are playing or you can assume they're not going to. How do you feel about it? Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, Sunday night football. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints here, another close game, though. I agree. I might change last minute Sunday morning if Tay does play, but Marshawn Lattimore is the truth, and he could potentially shut him down. I do think that the uh, Saints at home are a different beast. The Packers are 2-0, and leading the league in points scored right now. I think it's going to be tough to beat Aaron Jones, but I got a hunch that the uh, Saints have a chance if Tay doesn't play. I'll put it that way. Monday Night Football. Game of the week, probably the game of the year, maybe a Super Bowl uh, preview already in week three here. Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, who you got? Two great offenses. It comes down to the defense. Kansas City's best defensive player, Chris Jones, is going to be totally negated by Lamar. So I'll take Baltimore and their defense to take this one down. I am also going with Baltimore for the same reasons, even if it's a uh, – if maybe, um, you know – Justin Tucker gets the 58-yarder to win it this week. Uh, Lucas and Bobby are going with KC, so we're split on that. Also, fun fact, you and I are both going Saints. Both those guys are going with the Packers. Hey, Dwayne, I hate to uh, end on a somber note, but I feel it's appropriate for a few reasons. First of all, the guy's a Hall of Famer, and uh, he needs to be mentioned. Secondly, um, I have his signed jersey. Third, you are the house Bears fan. I do want to mention here, uh, on the podcast and give shout out to our boy, Gail Sayers, Hall of Famer, um, AKA the, the Kansas Comet, one of the best running backs of all time. I do want to mention and give him a shout out against my 49ers. If you're, uh, if you're, you're not old enough to remember Gail Sayers, of course he retired well before uh, Dwayne and I, but we're one of the older guys here in the space. Gail Sayers totaled 200, uh, 2,272 yards as a rookie. 2,270, basically CMC Saquon numbers before it was cool. Most of that came, unfortunately, on December 12th, 1965, when your boy Gale Sayers scored six touchdowns, a single game record, six total touchdowns, receiving, rushing, and of course, on special teams, beat up on the uh, 49ers yeah. as a rookie, 
1965, got the rookie of the year there, Gail Sayers. Just wanted to pull, uh, pull homage to, uh, to a bear, and I just thought um, we should pay respects. Unfortunately, Gail Sayers passes away at 77 years old. You are a Bears fan. Um, what does Gail Sayers kind of mean to, uh, to Bears fans in general, man? Certainly a legend. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of rich history at the position um, for the Bears, Walter Payton, these guys. But Gail Sayers, man, he, he, you know, yes, it was before my time, but I've seen plenty of his tapes. Such a fun guy to watch. Um, such a good dude on and off the field. His teammates can't speak or couldn't speak highly enough about him. The city loves Gail Sayers, and uh, it's a big loss. I know he's been dealing with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's for a few years now, which is never easy either, but uh yeah, always, uh, always a tough moment when you lose somebody who means so much to so many people in Chicago. Totally agree. And shouts out to him for what he did with the civil rights movement and, uh, yeah. and, and justice as well with his platform. And um, one of the best players to ever play the game, certainly running backs. And uh, one of the Bears with such great history with um, sweetness with uh, Walter Payton, Gail Sayers at running back, and then, of course, all of the uh, defensive players. So, again, Sorry to, to take a couple extra minutes here, but uh, you are the Bears fan, and, and he did pass okay. away at, at 77 years old. So hopefully he's at peace now. Um, dementia and, and uh, Alzheimer's are, are such a hard thing for himself and, and family to deal with. So wish him well, and we wish uh, the rest of you all well as well. Take care of yourself and each other. Episode 268 in the books. And tomorrow we are bringing in Chris Benavides and the Commish crew to go through the TCK Pod Listener League recap of Week 2 preview of week three and of course we'll catch our boy Dwayne next Thursday once again here breaking down the uh late runs Dwayne it's always a pleasure man thanks so much for coming back so fun all right brother. for Dwayne Lynn aka Dweez Nuts on Twitter all Z's no S's I am your host Sky Guasco and we are out of here thank you for listening to Believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.